praise God. We're going to be in Acts chapter 22 and 23 this morning. We've been doing a series in the book of Acts. If you want to go back and catch them, uh, you can go to uh, the Loop Bulletin. will take you there, or you can go to the website. But if you have the YouTube app on your phone or TV or whatever, you can actually just go to our, our channel. So just Radiant Springs Church. You type in the channel, and then you... Uh, It'll go right, you can see the past messages. So we are live streaming to YouTube now, and so there will be the live stream option, but also you can see the ones that we take and we edit. It's just the message for the most part that we put in there. So, all right, so we've been working our way through. In the book of Acts, we see, Acts 1.8 is kind of the key verse there where you see, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we see that happen in the book of Acts. Luke shows us that as it is the gospel goes from Jerusalem out to these other regions. Now, uh, where we're at in the book of Acts, Paul goes back to Jerusalem. He wraps up his third missionary journey. They tell him to go to Jerusalem or not go. Don't go. They say, don't go. We know there's hardships that's awaiting you, but Paul says, I have to go. He senses that God is calling him to go. He goes to Jerusalem. He gets arrested. Um, not for that he'd done anything wrong. It had to be, do more with the Jews that didn't like him. And they say, oh, he took a Gentile into the temple, which he hadn't done. He's arrested. They try to kill him. The Romans rescue him. But he's in the barracks. That's where we leave off the story. And he actually gets the opportunity to speak to the crowd. And so that was last week's message, Testify. And he shares about his life before Christ, how he persecuted the church and how he was like them. He was zealous for the law, but then God got a hold of his life, right? On the road to Damascus, he's going there to persecute Christians and he's blinded by the presence of God. He has an encounter with the living Christ. His life is forever changed. And so he tells about that and how God had sent him to the Gentiles. So they were listening to him intently until he uh, mentioned that God had sent him to the Gentiles. That was kind of like, okay, we don't like you anymore. So, um, so we talked about that, to speak the person's language. So he spoke to them in Aramaic. They understood that. That was their language. He um, gave them the past, the backstory, but then he also told them about the encounter with Christ. And so we talked about how we can do that in our life as well. So today we're going to pick it up in verse 6 of 23. All right, 23. But um, I hope I got this right. Yes. Yes. So 23. So he, he speaks to them and um, he tells them the story. And then we get to the end of chapter 22. Um, they listen to him until he um, until uh, all that happens. Then they want to kill him again. So then um, what happens is uh, he, the, he goes, God sent me to the Gentiles. I'm going to kind of give you just a quick recap. So the Roman commander says, okay, we need to get him out of here. They take him back to the barracks. They are ready to stretch him out. Okay, they're not stretching him out for athletics, right? Why are they stretching him out? They're going to flog him, right? And so as they're doing that, preparing them to whip him, flog his back, he says, you know, are you able to do that to a Roman citizen if he hasn't gone trial? When they realized that Paul was a Roman citizen, it's kind of, whoa, he shouldn't have even been in chains because that was unlawful. And so they did a backtrack and they took off his chains. But the Roman commander wanted to know, why, why do they hate Paul so much? 
And so then he says, well, I'm going to bring him to the Sanhedrin, to the Jewish ruling council, and we're going to see why he wanted to better understand why do they want to kill this man. And so that's what happens the end of 22, the last couple verses into 23. And um, they slap him when he gets there because um, they don't like him. And Paul says, hey, you're a whitewashed sepulcher. That didn't go over well. It was actually the high priest that said that. And then he apologized because he didn't realize it was the high priest. But Paul, being smart, he was, there's two groups of Jewish people. There was the Pharisees and the Sadducees, all right? And so Paul was pretty smart. So this is what he does, verse 6. So before we do this, pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Let it speak to us in those moments that we have. Uh, apply it to our heart and our life. In your name we pray, amen. So he's before the Sanhedrin. It's kind of tense in there, verse 6 of chapter 23. Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducee and the others Pharisees, he called out to the Sanhedrin. He said, my brothers, I am a Pharisee, descendant of from Pharisees. I stand on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to you, but the Sadducees, well, we'll go that. When he said this, the dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The assembly was divided because the Sadducees say there is no resurrection. So if you can't keep them straight, they didn't believe in the resurrection, and that is why they were Sadducee, all right? That's how you keep that straight. They didn't believe in the resurrections of Sadducees. So they break out. And so now the Pharisees are going to take his side and the Sadducees were against him. Verse 9, there was such a great uproar. So we keep hearing this, all right? Some of the teachers of law who, who are Pharisees stood up and argued vigorously for Paul. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down, take him from them and by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, uh, this is an important part. I entitled the message, be, be courageous, take courage, exclamation mark. So it's take courage, right? As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you will also testi about, uh, testify about me in Rome. And I, and, I, and I like that. He, it's such a beautiful picture. Jesus comes and stands beside him. That's what it says, right? And says, take courage. Wow, that's a beautiful picture. You know, I don't, I don't know if I've ever had an encounter with Christ like that. But um, who knows? Maybe God would show up in our life in one of those moments. The next morning, some of the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. For 40, more than 40 men were involved in this plot. And they, they went to the chief priests and the elders and said, we have taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petitioned the commander to bring him before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about his case. We are ready to kill him when he gets here. But when the son of Paul's sister heard of his plot, they went into, he went into the barracks and told Paul. So this young man, how many young men? We got Archer here. Um, we got others. So maybe Andreas, Christopher. Who got Gabe over Miles? I think this is about the age group uh, that we're talking about. They, 
Yeah, I mean, they, they are there and they're discussing this plot, but they, these young men are, this young man is there and they, they don't even think anything of it, but they're talking about this plot to kill and he overhears it. Christopher, maybe you, right? And so when he hears this, he goes to Paul, verse 17, and he called, um, he went to the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions, verse 17, take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him to the commander. The centurion said, Paul, the prisoner sent for me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took the young man by the hand, drew him aside and asked, what is it you want to tell me? Now just think about that. You have a Roman commander. He probably has his armor on. He has his sword on. People lived in fear of the Roman army in their midst. And so you have this young man coming before this man of authority that could take his life. And he goes there. I think there's some incredible courage by this young man. He said, some Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them because there's more than 40 of them that are waiting to ambush for him. And they have taken an oath not to eat or drink until they've killed him. And they're ready now, waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man with this warning. Do not tell anyone that you've reported this to me. And so what would happen is the commander would take this threat seriously. He would take Paul by might. 200 or more soldiers, uh, infantry soldiers, uh, horsemen, and they would take him, cavalry, take him to um, Caesarea. And there he would be later be on trial or um, be heard out. So what do we want to learn about be courageous? That word take courage literally means to be courageous, have courage. It is to have confidence and assurance in the moment, Right? You know, courage is great, confidence is great, but if it's not there when you need it, is it really helpful to you, right? And I love watching it on the football field. I love watching it in the, the arena, sports arena, because at times people can have this incredible confidence and all of a sudden something happens. They throw the interception, they, the, the bad turn of events happens, and then you really see if that person has confidence or not. Why? Because sometimes confidence that is there one moment can evaporate in the next. It's just gone. The great players learn to play through it and they retain a confidence even when things don't go their way. So we sometimes call it having a short memory or whatever the case is, but they keep play through it. Confidence isn't any good unless it's there when you need it most. And, and so there's some points that I'd want to pull away from here. First of all, courage is a result of confidence. Courage is a result of confidence. Um, confidence can come from a variety of sources. It can come in our natural abilities, right? Uh, we all have gifts and talents, um, and so confidence can come from there. Uh, it can come from experience, so we learn something. Uh, you hear that a lot if you're listening to a football game, a basketball game. Oh, man, they've really grown in confidence. What are they talking about? They've been in practice. They've been working on their skills, and so their confidence has grown. So you, it's hard to watch an athletic event and not hear that come up as you're watching a show. All right? Our confidence can come from God. And I'm going to give an illustration later of where that would be the case. And it can come from others, from other people in our life, as a father or a mother or a mentor, you instill confidence in your children or the people that you lead, right? There's confidence that comes through that. 
So where did Paul get his confidence from? Especially in this passage, where did he get it from? The Lord, right? In fact, Jesus comes and stands beside him and says, take courage, right? I don't know if he gave him a pat on the back, but it said that he came and stood beside him. Where did this young man get his courage from? God? Yeah. I, I think he also got it from Paul, right? I think Paul encouraged him to say, hey, man, you need to go tell these people. And so he went and did it. He went and told the commander. My question is, where's your confidence coming from? As you live your life, as you do your work, as you do your activities, as you live out this life, where does your confidence come from? Is it in your natural abilities and talents? I, I think we all need to have that. We a lot of times call that what? Self-confidence, right? And I think self, we all need a measure of self-confidence. But self-confidence is a self, slippery slope because if you don't have enough of it, you, are, you, th- you think too little of yourself right? If you have too much of it, then we call you arrogant, proud. Sports world will maybe call you cocky, right? You're strutting your stuff, right? And that is a slippery slope. The scripture says that pride comes before a fall, right? And, and so if our confidence is in our natural abilities and talents, it must be also tempered by a deep humility, Deep humility is just having an accurate understanding of who we are and an honest assessment. I always get, you know, you watch athletes, one of the worst things that they can get is good press, right? Because then they start believing the press and they, then they think they're better than they actually are, right? And then they get humbled, usually <laughs> down the road. Maybe your confidence comes from your experience. You know, experience is a great thing. Um, but I, w- what I've learned about experience is that you can also get comfortable in that because you, you've mastered something, you've become good at something, and so then you become good at it, and then you, you kind of get go on autopilot, and that's not always good as well. You sometimes lose your um, need for God. Sometimes maybe your confidence comes from God. Um, I did my dissertation on some of this, and I feel like getting your confidence from God is the most steady source of confidence in our life. Why? Because God is always there. He's always standing there by our side. Whether things are going well, whether things are not going so well, He is there. He believes in you. If there's anybody that believes in you, it's God. He believes what He's called you to do and what you're able to do. You're never too young. You're never too inexperienced to be courageous. Um, This is especially true when we find our confidence in God and in godly people who believe in us. Second thing, principle I see in our story is that courage is linked to our values and beliefs. And I think that's an important thing to note. It's it's linked to values and beliefs. Why? Because um, you feel like you're doing the right thing in the right moment, right? Usually courage stands out because you are... You're showing boldness, determination, but it's usually attached that you are passionately involved or care about something that you're doing the right thing. All right? And so you're willing to put everything on the line. It's attached to um, something you care about passionately. So 
when we are doing the right thing for the right cause, we're willing to risk it all, whether it's our reputation, our money, uh, maybe even our life, right? That's often where courage displays itself. So sometimes we, we look at war heroes, right? And they, they put their life on the line. They were fighting to protect our nation. And we honor people like that, right, that, that do that. Um, it, it, it could be in rescuing somebody. There's people that, that put themselves in harm's way to rescue somebody. Maybe they're going to get hit by a car. They run out there and they, they, save that, they save that person's life. That is what courage is all about. Um, I think courage is demonstrated a lot more often than we recognize, but usually when we recognize it, it's at key moments when all is on the line in the heat of the moment. I don't know if you've heard the name of Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, World War II. Um, Diedrich Bonhoeffer grew up in Germany. He was a Christian man. And what, well, if you do some studies there, uh, just what happened with Hitler, um, he be, was able to advance his plans and Germany was a, Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a Christian man, um, but Hitler was able to do what he did because Christians in Germany were silent and they didn't do anything. Excuse me. They were silent. They didn't speak up and say, hey, what, what's happening and what we're doing to the Jews is not, isn't right. Now, was some of it kept secret? Probably to some degree. But they knew that there were things that were happening. They knew that Jews were being rounded up. They knew what was happening, and they did nothing. Many of them. Some did. Some took very bold moves. They put their life on the line to protect the Jewish people. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, at, at one point in World War II, was actually living in the U.S. And, but he was so passionate about what was happening uh, to the Jewish people, that he went back to Germany and he began to do what he could to help save Jewish people, but also to, to destroy Hitler's plan. And he actually would be, um, he would be killed a few days before Hitler would take his own life. Uh, he was trying to provide a, an assassination attempt on Hitler, actually, um, to take him out. Why did he return? He was living safely in the United States of America. It was because he had a strong belief that what was happening wasn't right. And he had an obligation to do something. To me, that was courage. He went back, risked his own life, and it did cost him his life. So he, he's written some great um, literature. It's worth l looking at, just uh, of uh, Christianity. He has a great perspective. To me, courage is anchored in those values and things that we're passionate about. Number three. We all need encouragement from time to time, don't we? We do. Paul did. If you, as we've been going through the book of Acts, you'd see it a few different times where he has come. One time was in Corinth. He says, hey, don't, I want, don't want you running off to the next town. I am going to have you here in Corinth. And he would stay there for two and a half years and God would protect him. And we see that in Ephesus and we see that in here where God comes beside him and says, hey, take courage, be strong. I am with you. We all need encouragement from time to time. Um, in the passage that Christy read here, she opened th we opened the service up today, was reading from Joshua. In that passage of, uh, was it, eight, nine verses, three times God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. 
be strong and courageous. Have I not told you? Be strong and courageous. Isn't that amazing? You know, I think Joshua would be a great leader, but he had to be told three times there, be strong and courageous. You know what? If we are human, there's, we probably need to hear it more than once to be strong and courageous. Uh, and there's times maybe just being a parent that we have to display courage and we need wisdom to do the right thing. And there's times we think, man, I'm just not cut out for this parenting thing, right? And God is whispering to us, be strong and be courageous. Um, encouragement is helping other people believe in themselves. So maybe we need to be encouraged, but maybe you are the one that is to encourage others, right? It kind of is a reciprocal thing where we, yes, we want to be encouraged, but God has also called us to be an encouragement to others, to call out the gifts, the talents, the callings in the lives of other people. So as a parent, you do that. You see your gifts and the talents. You believe in your child. And so you encourage them, right? You bring out the best, the things, the qualities that you see that are beneath the surface. You call them out and bring them to the surface, right? Because sometimes we cannot see those qualities ourselves. And maybe you're a friend and your friend is doubting their gifts, they're doubting their talents, they're doubting what they're supposed to be doing, but you clearly see in their life no, man, you, you're good at that. You're gifted in that. Yeah, maybe you had a setback, but you're good in it. You call those things out of them, and you encourage them, and you bring those things to the service. That's what encouragement is all about. We often get discouraged, right? Encouragement gives people the courage they need to keep going on, to live life, to do what God has called them to do. I'm going to wrap things up. There's so many great examples of courage in the Bible. And uh, I'm going to have the musicians come. I'm just thinking about it. I kind of went through the Old New Testament. Abraham, he left his homeland. And he was even going to sacrifice his own son, the promised child. Didn't know how God was going to work that out. That took some courage. Moses led the people through the Red Sea. Millions of people. Anybody had anxiety? And I think it was Moses. That was before the day of Tums. Um, David. Gideon. He, Gideon was a little timid. He was scared of the Philistines and the, the Midianites. Then there's Daniel. In Babylon. Thrown in a lion's den. That'd be a little bit unnerving, right? And God shuts the lion's mouth. Paul, we've read about Paul, Peter, John. And then there's Jesus, right? He went to the cross for us. He endured the cross because of our salvation. In this life, we all need courage, especially in the crucial moments of life. And whether it is standing up for our faith, whether it is making a career change, whether it is standing up for what we know to be right, we live in a culture that feeds on fear. And so if you watch too much TV, right, whether it's on your phone or at home, it can, it can build within us this culture that we're afraid to do anything to go outside our home. And God has not called us to live that way. He's called us to live with courage and boldness and to live our life. 
God wants us to live each day with confidence and courage. He hasn't left us. He's not going to forsake us. He's with us. To face each day knowing that He is beside us each step of the way. You're never too young or inexperienced to be courageous. And I think of David. So I, I listed a bunch of people. I'm going to go with David. You know, David was anointed as a young man. Samuel went to their house and he went through all the brothers, the older ones, and God says, nope, not them, not them, not them. That's it. Well, there's David. He's out in the field taking care of the sheep. Get him here. He gets there and God says, he's the one. He was the youngest. It says he was Rudy. He was, I don't think he was the tallest of them. But to see, there was something in his heart that God says, he's my man. Samuel would anoint him. And it didn't happen overnight. He went back to shepherding his sheep. One day he was out there shepherding his sheep, looking over them, and a bear comes and carries one of his lambs away. Most of us would have said, yeah, you got one lamb, I'll just take care of the rest, right? Not David. He goes out there and he takes the lamb away from the bear, kills the bear. That takes some courage. And then another day, a lion came, took one of the lambs, and he killed that too. But it wouldn't end there, would it? One day he would, uh, his father, he's still living at home, his father says, hey, I want you to take a meal to your brothers. They're on the front line. They're fighting the Philistines. So he shows up with the food and for the brothers, but also for the army. He gets there just as Goliath is coming out to taunt the army of Israel and the God of Israel. And David hears it. But then he observes. He goes, nobody's doing anything. Nobody's doing anything. They're all standing there afraid, shaking in their armor. And David is just beside himself. He says, isn't somebody going to do it? They're mocking our God. He goes to Saul. He says, if nobody's going to do something, I'm going to do something. The armor's too big. I think Saul's reluctant to send out this young man as a sacrifice to Goliath. But he sees the passion in his eyes. And David goes out there with his sling and his stones. And even as he goes out there, Goliath taunts him. He says, oh, they're sending out a, a rookie, right? A young man, I'm going to have you for lunch. I'm going to destroy you. David says, you come at me with your javelin, your sword, and your spear, but I come against you in the, the name of the Lord. Down goes Goliath, and he lops off his head. It's a great story. Where did David's confidence come from? Well, it came definitely from God, right? God's anointing upon his life. It came from experience. God didn't have him take on Goliath day one. He took on the lion and the bear first. And then it was time to take on Goliath. And I believe there's other people that believed him. Maybe Samuel that was saying, hey, you're the God's man. His brothers definitely weren't. They mocked him. But there was people that believed in him. And God would lift him up. 
Where does your confidence lie? What keeps you from living a courageous Christian life? Amen? Would you stand this morning? I don't know... I don't know what you're dealing with in your own life. I know we need courage and confidence to leave each and every day. Sometimes it's showing up at work. Sometimes it's showing up at school. Sometimes it's on the athletic field. Sometimes it is using our gifts and our talents. I do know that a lot of us, if we don't have the confidence that we need, we're not going to be what God has created us to be. Maybe we need to hear God's voice just speaking into us. We, maybe we need the voice of godly men and women that believe in us. That call that out and said, hey, this is what I see in your life. This is wh- what I see who you can be. Um, and maybe we can hear God's voice here this morning. Lord, this morning, we thank you that we can gather together in your name. And I thank you for each one that is here. Lord, if we haven't placed our faith in you, Lord, today we can do that. You said if we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that you are Lord, you are our Savior, we will be saved. That's the promise of Scripture. But Lord, you've also said in your word that you have plans and purposes for us. You know those plans, Lord God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, even in our mother's womb, You had a plan and a purpose for our life. And sometimes the world tells us that we're not good enough. We don't look good enough. We're not this. We're not that. And we believe the lies instead of what you are saying into us. And that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you created us for a plan and for a purpose. And that discovery of of finding those things out, sometimes those things are obvious. And sometimes we have to dig a little bit for those there's always the doubting along the way that maybe I'm not good enough to do this, to do that. And we believe the lies, we believe the doubt instead of hearing your voice and hearing the voice of godly parents and hearing the voice of godly mentors and people in our life that speak truth and that see God in us. And Lord, this morning I pray that if there's doubt there. If, if there's anybody here this morning that is just lacking in courage and confidence, Lord God, that, that we can know that you are standing beside us saying, take courage. And that we can hear your voice above all the noise, above all the lies, above all the distractions. Hear your voice and what you've called us to do and what you see in us. Lord God, we give you the thanks and the praise. Amen. As I close in prayer, if just every eye closed, but if that kind of connected with you this morning, you say, God, I just, I need to hear your voice in my ear, just of confidence, applying it to your own situation. Just raise your hand, just in agreement this morning, as we pray. Father, you see each hand that is raised, Lord God. And Father, you, uh, you see each one of us. Each one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh God, you've placed gifts, talents, hopes and plans within us. Lord God, that just aren't from us. Lord God, they are put there divinely. 
And so, Lord God, bring those qualities to the surface. Place people in our life that will draw them out. And let us hear your voice, Lord God. Lord God, just as we leave this place, I know there's going to be doubts that come as we go into this week. And Lord, maybe we can replay this message in our heart, in our mind. God, you are standing beside us. You believe in us. You've given us the strength and the courage that we need to face each and every day. Whatever the task may be, whatever the challenge may be, you are there. You will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. And so, Lord God, go with us this week. We give you the thanks and the praise. We ask it in your name. And everybody said, amen. Praise God. God bless you this morning.